Hey, Tucker. Hey, Todd. This part's going to be pre-recorded, so act professional, okay? I'll do my best. This is the Tucker and Toddcast, a podcast in which we write adventure stories for our YouTube sketch show. I'm Tucker. And I'm Todd. Okay, now we can get on to the show. Hooray! <sighs> Confetti. We're so glad you've come. We're so glad you've arrived. You said that, and I deliberately did the the work to not make the obvious joke yeah i uh i if only i could back it up but i said it i have a distinct memory shortly after i learned the word come uh having like walking through the grocery store co-op with my dad when i was like i don't know 12 13 and saying to him he somebody in the conversation said something about like something and then then we'll come over or whatever and i said i have a hard time anymore hearing the word come and not thinking of semen and he was like ah and then just to change the subject (laughs) (laughs) ah yeah i don't want to talk about that (laughs) i don't want to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah because how what yeah how else do you tell a child i don't feel like talking about semen with you (laughs) there's no way to say that (laughs) <laughs> because everybody's always telling kids you could talk to me about these things and then but when re- they try you're like i really don't want to talk to you <laughs> exactly <about> that. <laughs> that's unpleasant can't you talk to anybody else about that and i, I remember sure, the, guy, the, the guy with the ice cream truck i'll go talk to him all about it i remember at the time being kind of like what a pussy like <laughs> we, can't, <laughs> we can't be real about this at the grocery store <laughs> <laughs> what a coward yeah exactly right (laughs) get real (laughs) yeah grow up (laughs) which is that's kind of fun that is kind of like a calvin-esque position like come on grow up dad it is and it's satisfying after the fact (laughs) very funny Uh, i think one of our very first the very first sketches took place in a grocery store we had some fellow I remember it was all about the dividers. Yeah, the clerk was dressing down the guy with the dividers. I can't remember. Maybe we'll revisit that when we do our remastering. But anyways. If I I recall, it ends with a weird monster thing, too. Just in the background for no reason. We always wanted to push into monsters. Yeah. We want to do weird stuff. Um, Anyways, our weird stuff for this week. Yes, at the very end of last week's cast... We had our buddy cops disappear through an outside portal. That was the very last scene. They were they chased the alphabetical order who happened to have our our nice Fargo cops. Did the alphabetical order have our Fargo cops? Is that was what was going on with them? Yes, the chronological order arrested them and then the alphabetical order came by and took them. They abducted them right out of the uh perp van. Was and there a rather reason for that? The chronological order arrested them because they basically broke space time by beating us to a diner. Right. That's why they did that. And then why did the alphabetical order let them out? Because they kept they they uh, they took them into custody instead because they kept ending sentences with a. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds preposterous. <laughs> yeah, but it was just stupid enough to work that. Yeah, that's stupid enough to make me laugh very hard. <laughs> so the alphabetical order took them 
And then rather than trying to engage in some kind of high speed chase with the perp van and, and its escort, they're just like, fuck this. And they went through a tear in reality all the way to the outside where the chronological order of wouldn't dare follow them. Right. OK, very good. Yes, that is. And, and, that's and so our so our buddy cops decide that they will they will pursue this. They want to know what the alphabetical order is up to. And Columbo says, you know, I've got a couple conditions. And one more thing, I get to smoke in the car. And then off they And went. then they head off to the outside together. Okay, very good. Yes. So should we open on them going through a bit of a, uh, uh, like a wormhole sequence? Like a... Uh... They're, they're in the car too. So I think it's an opportunity for like a Technicolor sort of driving sequence. Yeah, like on the Rainbow Road. Yeah. Like there's, but also... there's sparkles and stars and weird it looks like an acid trip while they're driving oh winona on her broom flies by oh i like that a couple of those references uh, we just made this reference recently when we did the wonka thing but like you know like the tunnel that they go in like there's the image of like somebody cutting a chicken's head off is like projected onto the tunnel meta the sky like the sky around the rainbow road just becomes a big crazy projection what is it projecting today oh maybe it's the it's the it's one of the the jailhouse rock things jailhouse rock schoolhouse rock i think i've i think i've made that exact freudian slip on this show before yeah i think so i recall that i for some reason it just flows really well jailhouse rock that's our version of it now jailhouse rock that's how a pill becomes a flaw oh that's interesting well that's the name of our first blue pill sketch it is i'm just trying to recontextualize jail i know jailhouse rock is a thing but jailhouse rock as schoolhouse rock it's different jail themed oh yeah it's it's gotta be jail themed and it's all performed by inmates yeah there's one they, guy they, smuggling they, a pack of cigarettes up his ass <laughs> and doing, and, a, and doing a doing a song about it yeah <laughs> have his, his dance is a little bit awkward <laughs> because he's because he's suitcasing that's what they call it He's got a he's smuggling an extra tube of toothpaste for a friend. Suitcasing for whatever reason reminded me of a Bob Saget bit from the Jim Brewer serious show from like circa 2005 2006 talking about pulling his mom's spine out of her back and carrying her, her around like a suitcase. Ugh, grim. <laughs> RIP Bob Saget and your weird fucking brain and your poor fucking mother. Talk about stepping on a crack. Yeah. Mom will never get over that one. When you were a kid, did you ever like, did you ever do the crack thing? I never did crack as a kid. <laughs> uh, more like superstitious, avoiding cracks or deliberately stepping on them because you're mad at your mom. Uh, like this mom. I would go back and forth, but I was also, my OCD was also much more severe as a kid. So if I did step on a crack with one foot, I had to immediately do the same with the other foot. Oh yeah. It, it was, uh, I was always trying to make sure that my feet stayed. I could only take one step on a slab and then another step on the other slab. But if the slabs were too long, then it was two slabs per stab. And I would start doing that weird stutter step because I didn't have enough room to take a, like a second step on the slab, you know? Oh yeah. My, my steps, I would try to get my steps equidistant somewhere along each particular slab. I would also and do that being with a, being a really small kid growing up in Calgary at the time. 
Yeah. Lot, lots of big sidewalk slabs. So I was walking like an idiot. Definitely. Also on mall and grocery tiles. Oh, yeah. And the other thing, one the one that plagued me actually the hardest that I, I first noticed as like, why am I doing this? And this is a problem. And this I don't think other people do this was I would raise my eyebrows as our car was driving over shadows and whatever those, you know, when they they fix the cracks in the road, but they just throw down like a line of asphalt or whatever. Yeah, they just basically tar it up. Yeah, tar, tar lines and shadows. I would raise my eyebrows and imagining that the car was like bouncing over those lines in the road and I could not stop for a whole drive. Oh, man, being a kid with OCD and not really understanding it. <laughs> yeah. Neurodivergent children. Woohoo. Woohoo. Anyways, this week they went through a wormhole and all these things are happening. Yes, I think this is a, a good opportunity to actually kind of depict what happens in a wormhole during an extended driving sequence. And it should probably go on longer than is welcome, you know, Chekhov's Alley style, with like some some 80s tunes in the background, very, very much like, you know, the Stranger Things, the very 80s synth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do they, do, because it's a wormhole, do they start like abstracting? Oh, maybe they start like stretching out. Yeah, and like Grrr. becoming wire wireframe renderings. Oh, oh, they they actually degenerate into simpler and simpler forms of animation as they stretch out. Yeah. Eventually, they're just line art, and then they become like stretched out, and then they start to curl up into like a crazy straw. And then they pour out of the crazy straw into the outside. Yeah, yeah, into like. Uh, in into like a weird layer they get layered out until they're complete and jeff bridges shutters but colombo doesn't oh yeah colombo's perfectly comfortable jeff jeff is gonna be like <laughs> he'll be like bones after being put through the transporters like oh i feel like my stomach's been put in upside down yeah precisely there's like just like this squelching sound as he recontextualizes yeah <laughs> a little but I don't know if we should hang on to them for too long. I think I think their uh, their travel into the outside is enough. That'll that'll be a couple of minutes probably, and then we can actually kind of fade back through the other end of the portal because it's about time that we paid some attention to the world that is currently at war with the outside. It's time for them to start launch, like increasing the missile uh, payload that's going through that gate. That's kind of interesting if they make some sort of remark to each other about about the ride or about the grossness of recontextualizing or whatever, and they look back up to the 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 pipe that they just kind of like kind of got poured out of, and it is like receding back into the into the into the cosmos, and then through that the camera like rapidly pulls out very quickly back into reality. Oh yeah, I was thinking I was thinking something like that. It's like a great big straw. <laughs> yeah. It sucks the audience perspective right back through it. That's cool. <laughs> Club was like, "Here we going?" <laughs> and then, and then it's time for somebody to say that uh, we've had enough with these these low level missiles. It's time for some serious stuff. I have one question: What is Columbo's first name? Like the actual character? Yeah, the character. Do they not really mention it that much in the show? Oh my gosh! Does he have a name? Come on. <laughs> that's funny he is credited as just Columbo. oh wow yeah 
Columbo's <laughs> first name has never officially been identified. Oh wow! That you know what that makes it almost better. That makes me happy because I was going through a bit of should we come up with a new character to replace Columbo with because it is just such a random obvious reference, but it's kind of funny that he doesn't have an actual identity because our yeah, character it, doesn't it, actually have an identity. It's kind of mad. It makes him a mystery man. Yeah. Anybody can kind of be fit into that slot now. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I dig it. Okay, so going back to the real world is done with missiles. Let's do something like extreme. Yes, they've they've used enough of their kind of weak sort of missiles. It's time they uh, they decided those are just warning shots, and it's time to start pouring serious payloads. We're going to go thermonuclear. We're going to start nuking the outside. And do you have a predetermined uh, result of sending nukes into the outside? I sure do. Ooh, boy. What could it be? <laughs> it's going to coalesce into something that's going to come back. Oh, good. Are we working our way towards that then? Is that what you mentioned earlier today? Yes. Or yesterday or whatever time merges together. Yes. Uh, eventually, the outside will manifest a response. Okay. But for now, so where 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 are which where are we uh, reconvening with our perspective? Who is having this conversation about enough is enough? Are we having the public responding to things, or are we in a leader's sort of? I think scenario? we should. I think we should be in the Oval Office with uh, Nixon and Kennedy sharing a desk. <laughs> are they? Are they? Are the desks like front to front, or are they side by side? Or they are have, they sharing one desk and one chair? That's sort of funny. They have the uh, the the what do you call it? Bunk bed, bunk desks scenario that we described that we had at one point when we were going to be streaming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Todd is so tall. Nixon and Kennedy. Oh, I'm I'm tempted to do somebody's under the desk. Either Nixon or Kennedy. Well, it would be kind of funny if, uh, what's her name, actress Norma Ray, what's her name, Marilyn Monroe, was under Kennedy's desk, and then Deep Throat is under Nixon's? That's That Brutal. makes sense, right? Yes, on multiple levels. Yeah, that's why uh, I think it makes it almost a better joke. <laughs> so so they're, they're in there, side by side, working at their desk. Nixon, I think, would be the one to propose that we're going a little too light on the outside and we need to intensify our attacks. Sorry, I was I was figuring out how to flesh out my joke and I didn't fully hear what you said. Go ahead or repeat Nick, that. Please. Nixon, Nixon and Kennedy are sitting side by side at their their shared little desk. It's probably like an L desk or something. Right. And it's probably Nixon out of the two that's more aggressive in the approach. He probably says that uh, they've taken it easy on the outside so far, and it's time to intensify their attacks. Should we should we put the due diligence and the research into figuring out using something that Nixon actually said about war to be like to ape him a little bit more? I believe that would be the Vietnam War. I don't. I'm so dumb about things, but I guess he was. Was he pro war then during that time? This is learning things with Tucker and Todd. I'm sure like any president, he was both pro and against. Well, the first thing that comes up from Smithsonian mag is Nixon prolonged Vietnam War for political gain. So I'd say that he was pretty pro. Yeah, well, most uh, most groups that happen to be running the White House are pretty pro-war because it makes the right people rich. 
Yeah, of course. I wish I could find a quote. I'll find a quote later, but um, he's pro. Is Kennedy against then, or is the he pro, but is he giving Kennedy pushback is, at all? Kennedy is more restrained, but he he definitely thinks that ending the war sooner is better than dragging it out. He's too distracted with what's going on under his desk. At this given moment, probably. he. I'll bet you he just says, yeah, yeah, whatever. Oh, maybe maybe that is the joke that we're doing, is that they're both receiving their their oral treats from under their desk. But um, you, we maybe we ne- we especially we never see Marilyn Monroe, but we just have one of us doing a silly Marilyn Monroe um, under a desk voice. Happy uh, birthday, and, Mr. President. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's 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 that uh, t- it's the melody. It's the tune, but it's different words. Um, oh, it's and... got to be it's got to be done as a hummer. Right. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But the whole t- the whole time while Nixon is being all gung ho, uh Kennedy seems to be agreeing with mm-hmm's and oh yeah's. <laughs> and then and then the reveal is that he isn't actually saying anything other than mm-hmm and oh yeah's because he's in uh the throes of ecstasy. And then uh i don't know maybe there's a uh hey watch watch your elbows or something like that and that's when deep throat slides out and i'm imagining the character specifically from all the president's men like a cloaked figure in a garage with the hat and the glass sunglasses and the the trench coat pulled up high emerges from under the desk and says see you next wednesday oh yeah and then oh and then kennedy kind of like elbows nixon and says ah, i see you got the express or something like that <laughs> Since since Nixon uh, Nixon's treatment is complete, he probably pages in the secretary. Since Kennedy's been all yeah, <laughs> all gung ho, yeah. So and since since mind. Kennedy since Kennedy has just approved of everything that Nixon wants, Nixon calls in an aide or a secretary to start you know handing out these orders, which probably interrupts Kennedy's you know experience. So the the humming stops for the duration of the little visit. I'm trying to figure out how him zipping up his fly could somehow cut off the the, the happy birthday song or whatever. The funny part is that these guys don't even have a fly. <laughs> oh no. No, they're they're physically connected to each other like cat dog. Oh, did we discuss that already? Yes. So whatever's happening underneath the table, it's horrifying. <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah. I forgot about this. That's why they're sharing a desk. So are they on some sort of like weird. They're on like a piano bench. Yeah, <laughs> like an like an extra wide shared chair. Because <laughs> if they, I wasn't even thinking about it before, but and, if it is, and like they have an extra dog, wide desk. So they have no legs. They just got a shared waist and then arms. Yeah. <laughs> they move around like Sabalba. <laughs> They probably never move around when the audience perspective is on them. They They're just always conveniently located. Like uh, they had a shared towel when they were in the sauna together. That's true. Oh, man. Yeah, these guys are weird. Someday we should show the bloopers of them being moved around. They probably have a small team that does it. Yeah, with one of those like motor cranes. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So the secretary comes in. This is this is Nixon making the declaration. He's he's pressing bring in the war button or whatever the act the bring in the nuke button. He he's pressing the make war more intense button. He's probably going to have to call a war council. The war council has to approve. Oh, does he have like a uh, a manual dial and you turn war up to eleven or whatever? Oh, I like that. Just right on the desk, he like shoves a couple of papers to one side and opens up a hatch on the desk, and there's the dial. Yeah, he he. It's on. It's on like a a seven point five right now, and he's like, nope this this won't do. We're gonna have to turn it up to ten, and then he just like wrestles with it and forces it to go past ten, and then a, a, an eleven pops up on it where there wasn't one before. And he has to, he has to like shift it down into second gear to turn it up to eleven. Yes. All out war. Oh, is it numbers or are they named degrees? It's like a Tex Avery kind of dial. Oh, interesting. Maybe it's similar to the color chart. <laughs> Threat of terrorism imminent. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure each number has its own little color gradient and maybe it has a little bit of subtext under it. And then so he turns it up to and so how does that work how does that manifest itself he turns the war dial up over up, off the clock and what happens that's an excellent question because you also said war council so it, does he turn the dial up after the war council has been called and everybody agrees they need to go all at war no i think he sets it to 11 pretty much entirely for his own satisfaction and then all that does is call the war council okay so no nukes get launched right at that moment? No, probably not. I'm, I uh, I don't know how the Yanks do it, but I'm pretty sure that's not how the nukes work. Oh, so we're going to actually go through that whole sequence. <clears throat> yeah, we're going to have to call in the generals and and an admiral. Uh, is Colonel Mustard there? Interesting. I thought he was just the mayor of town. Yeah, I guess he was just a mayor. He's a veteran. And He's he was only he was only Mustard on halloween other yeah, than that true. he's you're just right, right. colonel sanders he was colonel sanders i forgot about that but maybe he should be there just because he likes war he's a warmonger yeah maybe he's general sanders now i mean he's been promoted he's been around long enough and he's sold enough chicken he's gotten a promotion <laughs> he got an honorary promotion yeah he sold a lot of chicken okay oh, so this, oh this... i have an idea opening up opening up the the hatch that has the dial once the once the dial flips open, or rather, once it gets turned to eleven, somewhere in in uh, Moscow on another desk, a very similar hatch automatically opens up. Oh, it's like it's like the red telephone. Yeah, all these systems are now just like interconnected. Ever since the war was called, since all it's the all knobs of, around the world start flashing. Yeah, because it's all of Earth against the outside. So like the the one thing we're all together for. And so where it, does the council take place? Where do they assemble? Back in the in the steam room? Yeah, I think they should we should do another sauna scene. So is 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 it a comedy cut where all we see all the uh, kind of a montage of all the heads of state around the world noticing their their uh we actually we have the Avengers music playing as all of the the knobs start flashing and everybody recognizes with very solemn faces, oh it's all out war. We got to go to the the council and then comedy cut to them all sitting in the sauna again. Oh yeah, I like definitely it. Bon, a, a montage, bon. a montage of all of the the respective bat signals going off, as it were, 
Yeah. And then an immediate smash cut to them all in the sauna in the exact same configuration they were in the first time they were in the sauna, complete with the bear in a towel. (laughs) So everybody's in there together in the same setup they were last time. And... Do 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 we do we show them having a discussion or do we just show them in there during the smash cut and then immediately go resume the montage and see everybody else turning their dial to 11? Oh, so the it's just very quickly. We make a reference to the fact that the council occurred and then rather than showing any of the goings on inside the council just show oh everybody decided to turn theirs up to 11 and so everybody turns theirs up to 11 and then we see all the nukes leave those countries at the same time yeah basically everybody agreed so all of the uh all of the other hatches open up all the other knobs be wind up poking out uh that's you cue erection joke synchronized erection joke in fact and then uh, they all start beeping and flashing and then the the council's called they all hang out in the sauna but it's only for a like a moment just long enough to register that they're in there then we resume the montage where everybody in sequence the same sequence that they were all shown in turns the knob to 11 that's funny and efficient oh do we do all sequence to 11 or at that point we've already done sequence as the pre-cut montage and then at that point council is over it's one of those like 16 frame in a frame we yeah, see everybody was, at the same I time. I was actually thinking the same thing. Maybe it should actually just be like a dozen panels all on the one screen of them all simultaneously clicking it to 11. Yeah, that's funny and efficient. And maybe there's certain nations have their own version of the the dial that's kind of like appropriate to that country. That's always funny. I mean, and but but yeah, also avoiding <laughs> ethnic stereotypes. Oh, yeah, we want to go with national stereotypes but not ethnic ones china's missile is shaped like a pagoda (laughs) well what about the dial oh the dial is shaped like a rice paddy hat (laughs) (laughs) okay welcome to the rice fields yeah i mean that sounds like modern video game design everything just has a theme (laughs) yeah and if if it's only on screen for a moment, it'll be just for people who look. But it'd be funny. <laughs> but we'll we'll only we'll only do that with maybe a few of them. Russia's stuff is all like concrete brutalism. Oh yeah, concrete and like some rusty metal. Yeah. Did yeah, you ever listen the, to because the dial the dial is from the Soviet era? Did you ever listen to Eugene Merman's stand up? No. He had a line that killed me about growing up in Russia as a kid. And it's always it has always stuck with me about like we were on a strict diet of oxygen and tears. <laughs> and it, it will always <laughs> stuck with me is that's all that Russians consume is tears out of a bowl, not even a glass. Sometimes not even out of a glass, but just like off somebody's face if they're fresh. <laughs> Got to get that sodium. I have enough sodium. I've been told I'm very salty. Hey, me too. By a doctor? <laughs> no, by everybody on the internet. Out of all the available flavors, you choose to be salty. I rather thought I was more sour. I I think I'm definitely salty. I am like a lemon. I get called okay, so, on my attitude frequently. Oh yeah, I know your attitude, but I think it's funny. <laughs> so all the all the all the correct knobs have been polished twisted and set to uh 
in and out of the sauna. Yes, they they have been handled and set to blow. And I don't think we need to pursue that line of inquiry any further. <laughs> Not really. So we see them all launched and then... Yeah, then the missiles all fly pretty much directly up and then probably come right back down like the Javelin missile because all of the outside portals are, you know, just like sitting around on surface level Earth. Right. They go straight up ARCOP and then straight down into the holes. Yep. And in the last in the last episode where we launched missiles, they came right back out of the holes. But this time they find contact inside or I yes. guess outside. Yes. After a couple of incidents where they wound up getting flopped right back out of holes, they've been they've been given new guidance systems. Not only do they seek out a portal into the outside, but they like deliberately avoid portals back out. So they they got like new targeting systems. So they find a, an immediate target once they get in. And they go and smack it. So is this the sort of thing where we see them disappear into the outside and then cut away to one of our groups that we currently have in the outside? And they have, they're have they in the middle of a conversation and that conversation gets interrupted by a nuke blast? And Not then, necessarily and nearby. Then, uh, and then a man in a leather fedora crawls out of a refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, those Russians. Oh, is it literally, is it one of the members of Boney M? <laughs> what we really need is a way to funnel all those nukes into roughly the same place. So even though, even though they're clever enough to go through a portal and then avoid exiting again, they, they, uh, they still all get kind of swept up into the same direction. Do they all, they all simultaneously destroy the only cabbage stall in all of the outside? <laughs> oh, it's. Harvest just came in. We're finally ready to sell. <laughs> We've been working so hard this season. Oh, man, if we were smart enough, I mean, maybe this can be part of when we finally end up remastering this season. But it would be funny if we had an entire episode earlier in the season, which was about cabbage farmers. And it's like very out of context. And it seems like it's a, its own standalone thing. We can figure out what the joke is later. But it's setting up like the the how sacred these cabbages are in the outside. Oh, <laughs> how important it is that it's the family business. It it starts with a, a father giving his son a lecture on how important it is, you know, to maintain their legacy, their their cabbage farm. It was my father's before me and his father's before him. One day it will be yours. And, and it's they open this whole up the thing. stall. Yeah. Is this whole thing about like dignity and this land. pioneering? Well, we've been sucked out into this nightmare outside world, but we may as well make the most of it. Actually, being sucked into the outside killed the parents that taught him about how to grow cabbages. And so growing the cabbages was part of his like finding purpose for himself. I like how we're falling down this rabbit hole now. <laughs> yeah. Yep, we're now we're shoehorning in the cabbage farm. Previously, cabbage <laughs> yeah. farm, and and so the 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 cabbage farm becomes an important aspect of this family's legacy, and, and it's it's their identity now, and they've become an important part of this particular community. They've they've found a niche, and now they're controlling it. The cabbages. Oh, they're they're a cornerstone of the society. It turns out something in the outside soil made the cabbages in some way. Yeah, they're a cornerstone of this little society anyway. Yeah. And then every single nuke hits the cabbage farm and stall. The family is fine, but the cabbage farm and the stall are in ruins. 
decimated completely decimated it's just a crater of nuclear fire and a single tear falls like that uh that uh public service announcement against littering does a single tear fall or, or the guy is like like fucking finally he he's like the weight of the cabbage farm is finally off of his his shoulders he can you know finally sting so we resented it the whole time maybe i don't know what a dickhead i think it should be the kid the no the father is completely mortified and then the kid is like oh thank god i was terrified that i'd be stuck with cabbages for the rest of my life now i can pursue my dream the gnome police of lettuce farming oh yeah (laughs) just some other dumb vegetable Oh, it's the vegetable of whatever there. Oh, maybe this whole thing was a Romeo and Juliet scenario, and now he can finally pursue the the farming of whatever vegetable that his like secret lover family was a propagator of. Turnips. Turnips, of course. Yep. All right, let's get this back on track. That was a bizarre derailment. Yes, so every nuke flies somehow, despite the fact that they almost all went into separate portals. So a couple of dozen nukes all come out of a single portal. So multiple entryways, only one exit, and all of them directly above this cabbage farm. They all just land down and pummel it into oblivion. And who of our main cast do we catch up with seeing that mushroom cloud on the horizon? Oh, that's what the other family... They, now I can be a mushroom farmer. Mushroom cloud. I am so inspired. <laughs> <laughs> now i know what we can do it's like it's our destiny we, we're going to farm mushrooms um but so we were going to have the chronological order meet up with the crew and we were going to have the alphabetical order meet up with now that'll be complicated because the chronicle chronological order will not come into the outside right so the crew the crew won't get to meet them until they leave right but the crew can be cast out of the outside by the alphabetical order. Right. So what order should that happen in? Because I believe that the crew should be sent on the mission before. I have an idea. Go ahead. Well, it's going to be contingent on the alphabetical order finding us first. The alphabetical order finds us. Then the Mandalorian finds us, reports our coordinates back to the crew. The crew comes to rescue us. And then the alphabetical order deciding that they're basically just going to get in the way of them making friends with us sends them back to the reality. Ah, that's interesting. So is the alphabetical order, we're not, we're not just going out on a mission for them. They're conscripting us into their service. They are almost certainly familiar with us. If they were, if they had a headquarters in that church in Kansas, we've yeah. already been in there. That's right. We're known to those people. Yeah, because I don't remember if we'd necessarily, we kind of established, we'd said maybe there were some sort of fantasology thing. Yep. Have we said? And we, we spent a large section of last week's episode discussing whether the, how they were related to whether the alphabetical order might be like a, a an off branch or yeah. if they have the same, you know, kind of source or if the alphabetical order isn't kind of like a, a well concealed heresy. Right, right, right. Okay. Would, when. Okay, I'm trying to plot that out. So the alphabetical order finds Tucker and Todd first. Yes, what you so said. we'll have to decide where Tucker and Todd are. But we're we're still dealing with nuclear devastation. Right. 
the mushroom cloud forms, and then probably that's the opportunity for the cabbage farmer to lament, cabbage farmer's kid to cheer, and then late later on they can decide that it's it's time to farm mushrooms. That's but, like the last line of the episode. I'm going into mushroom farming. <laughs> yeah. But in the center of the crater, there's like this little glowing moat of energy. So whatever whatever happened, there's there's a reaction going on down there. Okay. And it's and it's and it's casting an eerie green glow on everything around them, including the cabbage farmer and his kid. And that's an opportunity for them to go, what's that? And then we can immediately smash cut to something else. So it's just it's it's we don't we don't know what it is yet. No. It's just establishing there's something beginning. Yes. Something is afoot. Yep, something is awry. Okay, so we smash cut from them to, to Tucker, and, Tucker Todd and Todd running out running out of stroke waffle. Running out of stroke waffle. Didn't they run out of stroke waffle last week? Yeah, they they're always been... running out of stroke waffle. Well, I guess they always get their hands on more. They they wound up creating an entire society around stroke waffle and then the workers got the means of production and basically kicked them out. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 was a couple of weeks ago but yeah that uh they created an entire civilization around the production of stroke waffle and as soon as they figured out how to make it they no longer needed tucker and todd so they were they were cast out of their own little society did tucker and todd do anything last week nope they didn't arrive they didn't appear in last week's episode at all that's funny but right, because we were now. setting up. Okay, I understand. Okay, um, okay. I guess we can because we're cutting away to something random. They can be uh, on the tail end of this is the same thing as, and that's why we're not allowed back in Disneyland. We <laughs> not 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 literally. I mean that we can be in the middle of a, a line like that. But I'm kind of like in the middle of running away from whatever hijinks we were up to to acquire our new hit of stroke waffle. Well, we probably have a little supply. That we took with us in our exile. Travel rations. They didn't kick us out with nothing. They let us have a couple of boxes of stroke waffle. <laughs> and and oh, we, we've we've fun. we've bartered and traded some of them for new clothes and stuff. We're probably starting to look a bit road warrior. Oh, you said it was well, you've got something started in my mind already, but we can go with road or maybe we can do a mashup. But since I already did the art for it once, we could be in uh, bat country style, and I've got the briefcase full of stroke waffle. Oh, I like that too. Really nice of those guys to loan us these clothes. And this car. <laughs> and this really long toothpick. I don't think that's what that's for. <laughs> and this toaster. What else could it be for? <laughs> um... And later on, when we do end up meeting up with Columbo and Jeff Bridges, they're like they're jealous of our car. Where did you get that car? Yeah, naturally they'll be they'll home in on us. The only thing that causes more chaos on the outside is probably Tucker and Todd. There's probably something to that. We'll circle. We'll circle around to that. We'll come to that. Um, we're on our way out of whatever town is on fire. I don't know. Yeah, we're on the road again. We've just had our latest disaster. And that's why I'm on the no-fly list. The car is dragging. Oh, maybe we're we're making off. There's a, I don't I don't know. You need to empty out the junk. There's a crying baby in the back of the car. Just got to toss everything out. Well, that's an opportunity to do uh oh a bit of a Men in Black scene where it's like it, you're gonna throw the baby, not the baby, and then it it like 
does the squid thing and throws up on one of us. And we're like, ah, okay, it's got to go. It's a monster. Yeah. It's a squid alien baby. It's the baby from The Incredibles. Well, it looks it looks like a normal baby, and then it's just definitely... It would, it would have to be not from, a baby. Then it's definitely the baby from Men in Black. Yeah. Congratulations, it's a squid. Okay, so they're fleeing. Do they see, they, do they see the mushroom cloud in the distance? Is that the time lapse that we're doing? Sure. And, and once again, they go in the opposite direction of the explosions because that's served them well so far. Precise, yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to set up. Another one. Ugh, that one's bigger. Hey, mushrooms. Hey, Tucker, have you noticed the explosions are getting bigger? Nah, it's just closer. Or is it further away? <laughs> I forget which one I it is. I forget how that works. I always forget how that works, yeah. Hey, look, is that a Mirage? No, that's a Denny's. It's a Denny's in the Mirage. We're in Las Vegas. It is backcountry after all. Yeah, we... Uh, that's the we Mirage. Get, we get closer to the Mir- to the Denny's and it turns out to actually be a Mirage. It was just a rock. <laughs> turns out it's a landmark. It's Disappointment Rock. A Denny's-shaped rock. Yeah. A moon over Miami. So it's it's the rock of disappointment, and it's it's a landmark. One of the few places in the outside that are totally unchanging, because disappointment is forever. Oh, that's interesting. It's an actual tourist destination, the, the rock of disappointment, and it's sort of like the mirror of Erised or whatever. Yeah, it's it's almost a cornerstone of this non-reality. It shows you what you want most. Until you get close enough to see that it's just a rock. So I guess at that moment, I wanted to go to Den- Denny's because what I really wanted was uh, a Grand Slam sandwich with potato bread. That's sort of interesting. And then I guess for Todd, it... it's a mommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was sort of imagining was like showing the perspective of you looking over and seeing the mirage of Denny's. But also, should it be specifically Denny's or should it be like a, a turkey leg or whatever like they do in Looney Tunes? You look over and you see the the rock looks like a whole roast chicken or whatever. Oh, well, I'd I'd be perfectly fine with that, too. And then you look over and Todd is like in a fetal position suckling. Oh, that poor guy. (laughs) Clearly did not receive enough like hugs as a kid. Or too many. Or too many. The parenting is hard. All the ladies in the neighborhood were offering up their hugs. Is that... Is that how he became this way? When someone asks, why are you like this? Is because every lady in the neighborhood gave me too many hugs. Why are you like this? I was Edward Scissorhands as a child. That movie is fucked up. I agree. Uh, but anyways, our boys are running away from the explosion now. Do they run? Oh, did they try to skedaddle away from the explosion and run directly into representatives of the alphabetical order? Well, they ran away from the explosion, and that was when they saw the Disappointment Rock. Oh, right. I forgot, I forgot all about that. Yeah, we just spent 15 minutes talking about it. Well done. Yeah, so, Disappointment and, Rock. And it's a tourist destination, which means there's a small gift shop and there are people there. It's an opportunity to see a bunch of other tourists. Who are all lining up to see the thing that they desire, only to suffer the disappointment. Yeah, so it's basically... Uh, the the gift shop is probably called the consolation prize but but everything you buy there once you take it out of the gift shop it just becomes a really small version of the disappointment rock so like you you get a t-shirt from there you take it out it's just the rock the moment you cross past the uh stanchion or whatever 
Yeah, right right past the threshold. It's it's a rock. That cool novelty mug, it's a rock. The only thing we sell here is disappointment. Unless you wanted a rock, then I guess you're in the right place. No, then the bouncers take it away. <laughs> if you're really glad, the bouncers <laughs> just disappear you. They don't even let you leave. You have to stay. That is a that is a good place for anybody who happens to be looking for us to find us. Are we so do we get in line? to like join the tourists to like approach the rock or whatever we 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 approach the rock but we're we're in line to get into the gift shop somebody somewhere has to has to go to a like a pay phone somewhere they like they they side eye us somebody notices us somebody's looking at us they they shift away from the crowd and go to a pay phone make a call Oh, is it that camera move where the camera is following behind us as we kind of like push through the crowd or just like resting on us as we stand in line? And as we're saying some lines, the camera slowly like kind of just kind of shifts over to somebody who and there's like a little bit of a, 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 a trumpet sting or a saxophone sting or whatever as they arch their eyebrows at the thing we're saying and it like accents them noticing us and then move over to, as you say, the, the phone booth. Because whoever this person is, is an informant for the Mandalorian. Okay. Do they look similar to the Mandalorian? Or... No, just an informant. Okay. Is there a way that we will know at some point later when the Mandalorian... Do we know... How do we know that they're an informant for the Mandalorian? Or is that important? We know that when the Mandalorian arrives while we're at the gift shop. Are they going to do it like, that's the guy, them over there kind of thing? Well, yeah, I'm going to assume the Mandalorian put out like a, a not a hit on us, but like a request for tips. Yeah, put a out reward his for in, our, Yeah, exactly. A war, reward for information on these two weird looking chuckleheads. We stand out in a crowd. Everybody we go everywhere we go, people notice us. So it stands to reason that somebody at this this tourist attraction where lots of people do go and where it's easy to meet somebody that there would be an informant here who tattles on us. Oh, the guy's got stitches all over and the Mandalorian literally says thanks stitches as he gives him his little tip or whatever. Because stitches, stitches get stitches get snitches now. Stitches get stitches. In this case, stitches gets a small bag of gold coins or something. Yeah. Stitches gets compensation. Yes, this this person goes to a payphone and makes a suspicious mumbled phone call while very clearly looking at us. And there we are just standing in line looking at stuff through the, the window. Oh, hey, does it what, do, what are uh, you going to buy? Does it do what? I was going to ask if it does. Now I'm the curious about the what are you going to buy? But I was going to ask if it just does a two hours later and we've only moved like a couple spaces forward. <laughs> this place is real busy and real slow. Real disappointing. <laughs> well, in that case, I think, yeah, maybe one hour later and we're just like a couple, we're a couple spaces forward now. And that's an opportunity for somebody to say this, this line is really disappointing. It's part of the experience. The little ticker moves up on the one billion disappointed sign. <laughs> so, uh, somewhere there's like a little lounge, a bunch of chairs and there's Beetlejuice. He's got he's got his number now serving. Yeah. <laughs> We're in line ahead of Beetlejuice. Maybe um, he maybe he takes one of our numbers and gets away with it. What what was the what are you going to buy bit? Well, we were looking at the windows in the gift shop. We haven't even gotten in yet. 
So we're we're browsing through the windows because lots of the items for sale inside are viewable through the front window. How does that maybe, work? Do maybe Tucker like and this? maybe Tucker and Todd have a conversation about oh, what are you gonna buy? There's t-shirts and mugs and all kinds of novelty stuff you see in any gift shop. Oh, but then when those things get out, they all turn into the stone. Yeah, one thing that is suspiciously absent from the interior of the gift shop are are anything any rocks. There are no little rock of disappointment memorabilia. Oh, that's what you're like. What are you going to buy? Well, I was kind of hoping to buy a a rock. Yeah, I wanted a replica of this rock. I'm kind of disappointed the ticker takes over again. <laughs> so that's how that works. <laughs> it, everything advances the more disappointed everybody is. Yeah. And then, uh, so how does that work then? Is a, Are you Tucker and Todd and we're like, somebody knows us, we look around and then we get clonked on the head? Oh, I don't think anybody needs to do that. I think uh, I think it just, there's a little rolled up wanted poster that the Mandalorian has in his pocket. He pulls it out opens it up it's like a little parchment with our faces in the old-fashioned 1800s wanted style and it's just perfect perfect depictions of us but we are technically in costume so he has to look at it a couple of times what costume are we in we're in uh fear and loathing in las vegas attire. oh right, right 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 so it does take a moment to get a positive idea on us but he definitely gets us we just look one way because somebody somebody whistles on one side of us, which causes us to look one way, and there's nothing there, and then we just kind of bonk. Does he check our Instagram and see the posting that we just posted of us with the uh, the Fear and Loathing costumes? <laughs> he goes back to our Instagram. There we are, getting our costumes. Oh no, we're all out of stroke waffle. Hey, look, we're at the big rock. <laughs> Here we are in line at the big rock. Here we, are, the big rock. here we are doing that thing where we're like, it's a bunch of like white women's Instagram memes where it's like, here's me with my hand looking back over my shoulder as I pull you, the cameraman behind me. <laughs> here we're, and while we're still in line at the big rock, there's 10, 10 posts about being in line at the big rock. Oh. Mandela Lorian is just like ugh, cringing audibly. So it's not even called the Rock of Disappointment now. I think it should be called the Big Rock so that we can have a Big Rock Cafe reference. Is there a Big Rock Cafe, but all the food there is also just rocks? Yeah. And they're they're little, little rocks. This place sucks. Ding. <laughs> I need to be excused for just a moment. Okay. All right. And we are back. Welcome. Okay. So we get bonked on the head. Right in front of the gift shop, which is right next to the Big Rock Cafe. We wake up hogtied in a dingy basement and simultaneously go, Oh man, we didn't get our knickknacks. We didn't get our gifts from the gift shop. And you, then, and then it immediately thing. Yeah, it go it, it it immediately goes back to the counter and it goes ding. <laughs> Even from over here, our disappointment is fueling the counter. And who has us? The Mandela Lorian. Okay, I was, just, I was just making sure. He, he, yes. While we didn't really see him get us, because it was just somebody tricked us into looking one way, one way while they bonked us over the head with a with a baton that looks very similar to one of the ones that the gnomes were using. But we are definitely in the custody of the Mandela Lorian. Oh, what do they? What do they say to make us look over there? They it, just whistle. I'm... Oh, I thought it would be kind of funny if there was a like they point and say, look, stroke waffle, but only you look. 
and they like roll their eyes and 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 sigh and go and a mommy <laughs> or whatever <laughs> the joke is <laughs> somebody has a, a detailed enough profile on the both of us to know exactly how to get us huh yeah their partner like nudges them it's in the dossier uh, do i have to <laughs> and um <laughs> So it's just like an authoritative woman's voice. Excuse me, Todd. <laughs> Young I'd, man. I'd get some. Todd needs a middle and a last name <laughs> so that all three can be used. Todd mega, mega authority. Yeah, Todd, <laughs> Todd T. Tuckerson. What's the T stand for? It's Tiberius. It's just, it's just, <laughs> Tiberius. I was just going to say it's T. Todd Tiberius Tuckerson. From a, an authoritative sounding lady, that would definitely get Todd's attention 10 times out of 10. Taya what? What? Taya what? He doesn't even know what Tiberius is. He doesn't even know his own middle name, or did somebody just make it up? I don't know. This is too complicated. Too many syllables. Whatever, it worked. Bonk. Bonk. Okay, so we're now in a dingy basement, you said? Yeah, either that or somebody said, look, bats. And then I turn around and go, we can't stop here. This is bat country. <laughs> because we're in costume. Of course. And when we're in costume, we have to play the part. And it's Chekhov's reference. Yeah. I feel so, like someday, someday in the future, we're going to have to meet an actual Chekhov character who's like the origin of all these things. A guy named Chekhov who invents all these things. Yeah. Or he's like the god of inevitability or something like that. But you can call me Chekhov. <laughs> the god the god of inevitable outcomes. Right. But you can call me Chekhov. This is my friend Occam. <laughs> they would they would be friends. They would know each other. They're cut from the same cloth. That's interesting. They probably know Pythagoras. Well, those are all characters that I would like for us to meet someday. Everything that's named after an individual. Yeah. There's just like a, a council of these guys. Murphy's Law. Oh, yeah. Pythagorean's Theorem. Oh, you're the guy who did done it. No, no, that was Murphy. Yeah. Because <laughs> what's the other one? There's one that's similar to Murphy's Law, which I guess sort of is what Occam's Razor is similar to Murphy's Law. Eh, whatever. Wouldn't that be Chaos Theory? Yeah, maybe. And then there's there's... There's all kinds oh, Murph- of laws. Murphy's law is everything that will go, anything that will go wrong, will, will go wrong. Anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. Right. Oh, the guy that's not invited to their party is the lowest common denominator. I also like Sturgeon's law. What's that one? 90% of everything is crap. Oh, well, I guess there's many, many laws, aren't there? Oh, yeah. What's the many one? individuals who govern them. What's the one that you've brought up and we've talked about in a couple of cases wherein you think that you're the smartest, even though you're to the Kreutzfeld or whatever? That is the Dunning-Kruger effect. Oh, Dunning-Kruger. What is Kreutzfeld? Why did that pop into my mind? I don't know. Kreutzfeld effect. I don't know. Maybe that's Kreutzfeld-Jakob. Yeah, the disease. That is what I'm thinking of. Well done. I'm sure Kreutzfeld Jakob leads to some cases of Dunning Kruger. Probably, yeah. As people's brains get a bunch of holes in them. Well, that's okay, so, been a fun little hole to fall down. Yeah, we we fell down a hole, but we're still in a dingy basement. Right. So are we going to have 
a conversation with the yeah probably we're, we're awake but somebody's gonna dump a bucket of water on us anyways and Does and the, he... the water the water bucket washes off our costumes is, does he do a bit of a monologue exposition dump to explain who he is? Because I don't think we actually established how he is or who, how he works when he talked to the crew. I don't remember. I don't know if he's going to tell us anything. He he deals with things that are subject to the Mandela effect, after all. Right. So he's kind of freelancing by finding us. Oh, so do do we? Oh, does so do we plead with him, but he just stays silent? Or does he try to have, he answers us reasoned and logically, but like gets impatient with our um, childishness? Probably. I mean, he probably says, good, you're awake. That means we can go. Go where? Right. Yeah, I was going to say, what are we doing with the scene? So are we just trying to transition to going somewhere or somebody coming to where we are? Actually, that's probably more likely is that somebody's going to come to where we are. Because one of the things that you had mentioned in the Discord was that once he's found us and reported our uh, coordinates to the crew, then that, uh, what do you call it, contract? That contract is up, and now he's a free agent again. And we had discussed maybe he immediately is then contracted by the alphabetical order. For what purpose? I'm not sure. To turn us into their possession? I think they can come and get us themselves. So they has the he, power. Do they know? Do they just know where we are, or has he already? The moment he reported us to the crew, he saw there was an ad uh, for the. Why would they be looking for us? I'm not sure how. How? Why do they come for us? They know us. Oh right, they know us from the church. Yeah, we've already done. We've done a small adventure with them before. Right. We did. Did we do an adventure into the wreck of the the thought yacht? Is that what that was? That was one of them. We did another one with them where we had a statue that happened to be the female contestant from a game. Leave. Ah, okay. Because his, as far as he's concerned, his contract is up. Okay, and then the he moment found us, he... and he left us where they could find us. Now he can leave. In the interim, between when the crew arrives and when the alphabetical order arrives, you know, they 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 could one of them could get there before the other. Okay, so are we sat there? Are we maybe drugged, and we do one of those comedy scenes where we're like tied back to back? Oh, we could ape. We could literally ape the Indiana Jones. Um, get out of here, monkey. Tight. <laughs> back to back tied up or whatever. <laughs> like in the rundown yeah get out of here monkey uh or we could immediately have representatives from the order come out saying good i thought that fool would never leave well it stands to reason to me that the alphabetical order should arrive first and get us out of our bindings yeah and start befriending us because we know them Right. Hey, we know you guys from Kansas. We don't know they're the alphabetical order. We don't know that they're crazy and dangerous. As far as I know, they're just like church people. So like, hey, we know these guys. They must be here to help. But we don't we don't quite leave immediately. We get into some kind of discussion during which the crew will arrive. Does does the basement where the Mandela Lorian took us happen to be to a place that is operated or owned or somehow is like a satellite 
outpost of the order. Probably not, Is but it, it should probably be like in Kansas. Like a place that they would. It, did they just happen to be there or were they looking for us? Probably looking for us, but they probably saw us being taking, taken in there by the Mandalorian. Okay, so that may, that would make sense that it's somewhere in Kansas. Okay. Yeah, might as well be. Kansas is one of the few stable locations right. that we've established. And the crew knows where it is. That's true. And okay. the people of Kansas know us. So the they saw us come in. So even if we were to be like, how how did you know where we were? We saw you being, ta- would they tell us that they saw us being dragged in there? They yeah, are we, saw, we to- saw you being carried unconscious into this place. We're here to rescue you. Yeah, we're we're here to help. Oh, well, that's real nice. Where are we? Kansas. Again? <laughs> I guess we're in Kansas anymore. <laughs> I guess we're in Kansas. We're only in Kansas anymore. <laughs> we're only we're, in Kansas anymore. We're only ever in Kansas anymore. <laughs> that's just how it is. That's interesting. So do it. Do we do like a little sad? Like, do we owe these guys a life debt? I guess maybe I don't I don't know. We've done jobs for them already. Maybe we're even. How do we try? How do we try? So do they take us? Well, we probably walk right out the front of the building that we happen to be in. It's just like one of the nondescript unoccupied buildings located in Kansas. Yeah. So we're just standing out in front of the house and the crew arrives. And there we are with the alphabetical order. The crew arrives in Kansas. With us, with the alphabetical order? We're in Kansas. Yeah. That's where we were taken by the Mandalorian. Yeah. That's where the Mandalorian told the crew they could find us. Right. So I, I as really, soon okay. as the Mandalorian I, says that to I, the crew, the crew are en route. They were traveling there. The alphabetical order just happened to find us first. I just, I really have not been expecting them to find us at all. I thought that they would have been gone by the time we, yeah, I didn't expect us to cross paths. With... The crew? Yeah, with the crew. I thought we were going to be sent off in the opposite direction again. No reason. The crew is going to be sent off. After seeing us? The alphabetical order is going to see them off. So they see us. Oh, our, the alphabetical our, our, order wait, is currently recruiting us. Is the alphabetical order going to see them off before they can get to us? No, but this isn't a video game where simply walking up to us and touching us actually wins an objective. They they arrive while we're currently standing outside the building talking with the alphabetical order because we're in Kansas. Okay, so you can just stand and talk in the street. That's fine. Sure. So there we are being recruited by the alphabetical order. These church friends who we've worked with in the past yeah. and who just rescued us. Right. So we have every reason to listen to what they have to say. Sure. They want us to get involved in their church and help them with a project. Yeah. We're all for it. The crew shows up. They want us to leave. They want to get out of the outside. They've been looking for us to rescue us from the outside literally this entire time. The last thing to do is to get involved in another quest. But we're already so soaked in by the idea of going on the new quest. Yes, and and they start trying to talk us out of it. They're like, come on, we came all this way to rescue you. Stan is here. Craig is here. Gigi's here. You haven't even met Gigi, have you? Okay, so it's it's like a uh, refusal of the call scenario. Yeah, they're they're uh, the crew's trying to talk us out of it because the alphabetical order. The crew doesn't know who the alphabetical order is, or that they're super dangerous and sinister. And that's but, reason enough by its own. We don't even know who these guys are. Yeah, and then Tucker and Todd were like, 
but we know them. We've worked with them before. We've been here a while, you know. Yeah. We've been here before. They're We've done cool this guys. lots of times. They're cool guys. They're church guys. They have a statue. They're priests. They're nice people. And the crew is trying to talk us out of getting further involved in the outside. They're like, no, we need to find a plan to get out of here. And it starts to work. It starts to work. We start being convinced. We're like, oh, man. And then off in the distance, there's the, the ding goes off again. <laughs> oh, and then, but that, I think that would be like four or five. And so one of us turns to the camera and, and kind of does like a, a hand to the throat, kind of like, that's, that's okay. That's enough with that one. Yeah, that, that joke is tired. It's time to retire the joke. Yeah. So it goes in the bin. And then <laughs> as the uh, as the alphabetical order sees that we're starting to be pulled away from the task that they want us to get involved in. They decide enough is enough and they use their outside shenanery to actually banish the crew out of the outside back to reality. Oops. There's goes gravity. Yeah. Like they're, they're like, all right, that's enough. They do the, they got to do a one liner. So uh, nice of you guys to drop in. And then the portal opens up <laughs> underneath the crew and they all fall through it. And then, <laughs> and then that's, they're gone. I think I think Tucker and Todd are more impressed than than alarmed because of the the one liner. It disarmed them. It disarmed them like they're they're like, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, drop in. That's a they're good like, one. They're like, oh, that was pretty cool, actually. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And now that the crew is is banished back to the out back to the reality, we managed to get them together for a moment and then pulled them away again. But they're back in reality. And now Tucker and Todd are in the clutches of the alphabetical order and they can, it, you know, they give them a little bit of praise. Is it also sort of, it's sort of like an inspirational aspirational moment where it's like the magic of the moment happens. There's like this big epic, like <laughs> grown up Harry Potter magic moment of like the, the dust settling out, all the whooshing and whatnot and the flap of the sleeves. And we're both just like, Whoa, that was actually pretty cool are we going to be able to do that and so we're like inspired and that's that's that sells us even further on helping them pursue their quest that we are going to get to actually start ascending the ranks are we ever going to learn how to do that and then somebody very villainously does the does the finger steeple move and they're like yes, indeed we've time yes perhaps oh, good time <laughs> <laughs> And then that's a perfect opportunity for the screen to go black because we've been on Tucker and Todd for almost an hour. Yeah, that's true. We got to go back now. We need our buddy cops. Oh, they're cruising. They're listening to Deep Purple. Yes. In fact, they are They are going through. Oh, no, they've already come out of the wormhole. So they're uh, they're experiencing car trouble. Oh, is this like, it's like uh, that, that point in Chile where... Engines don't work because the uh, the, the what's it called? Because the, you're too high up. The oxygen is too thin. Turns out that they have no gas, and in fact, they never had any gas. Yeah, I, yeah. Because I guess that part of the car, not everything came through the same age. Well, whose car was it again? Was it Columbo's or was it? This Bridges? is Columbo's. This is Columbo's old station wagon. Okay. It had gas when they left. That's an opportunity for the two buddy cops to start arguing. I thought you gassed this thing up before we left. I did. Then why is it empty now? It's not just empty. It's never been filled. How does that make sense? 
It doesn't make sense. I thought it would have been cool if it was Jeff Bridges' Fantasology car and it like runs on dreams or something. Well, it's Columbus Old Station Wagon, so now they're on the road and they're hitchhiking. But it runs on nothing. Well, it can't run on nothing, but it's currently trying to. The gas, the gas that they left with has yet to come out of the wormhole. But so are we actually just going to handicap them like that? They're going to hitchhike? Would they not just take over? One of them is an eldritch god. Are they going to not use powers or are they just hitchhiking for comedy? They are significantly depowered. Oh. Even here. Oh, because it's the outside. Everything's upsy-downsy. Well, ideally, Columbo should be at his absolute most powerful here. But much like Jeff Bridges is stripped of a lot of his heavenly power, Columbo is missing a lot of his stuff. Because Not, of that's inherently how he is, or something's wrong with the outside right now that's causing No, that. something took his powers away. Being exiled or whatever, I can't remember what it is. Yeah, was. he's pretty much living in exile. He's hiding, and in order to sustain his existence outside of the outside, he had to leave a lot of the outside behind. All right, so they're hitchhiking. So yeah, they're not, they're not actually fully powered. They have a couple of tricks and stuff. Does a gnome highway patrol pull like tell them off that they're not allowed to hitchhike? There's no hitchhiking in the outside. No hitchhiking allowed. And then they there's beat him a, up and take his car. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a beat where where Bridges and Columbo look at each other, and then it's immediate smash cut to a scene of them both crammed into a tiny gnome car with a gnome shaped hole in the ceiling. Yeah, or in the windshield or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's there, there's no there. there's no remaining trace of the gnome patrol cops who were in there before, but now there's two grown adult men trying to fit into this little little car. Each of them have to lean out of their uh, their particular side window because of the blood spatter on the inside of the windshield, or there's because just no it's trace gnome sized. Yeah, it's a car the size of a fucking shoebox. It's a miracle that these guys can sit down. They're probably there's probably enough room for one man's ass in there. They're squeezed in there, but whatever, it's transportation. So they're cruising in this little gnome mobile. Are they are they squeezed in side by side or uh, like a flume log? They're between each other's legs or whatever. That's <laughs> probably how they have to do it. And the, and the guy sitting in the back has to work the gas. Yeah. With the guy the, sitting with... the guy sitting up front, his feet are actually on the hood. Place. Your... Something's wrong. We have to go that way. That looked awfully human or something like that. Yeah. That looked awfully worldly. <laughs> That's pretty good. And so they, they turn their gnome, gnome mobile around. It probably, but it, it has to make like a little, like tiny driving sounds. <laughs> Whatever normal driving sounds there are, it has to make a tiny version of those sounds. Yeah, driving sounds on helium. Yeah, with like itty bitty tiny car screech. And, and so they start clown horn. Yeah, and this, so they start they start cruising in the direction of the mushroom cloud because unlike unlike Tucker and Todd, their survival instinct is is totally different. They don't go away from explosions. They go and investigate because we need we need them to encounter that glowing orb. Glowing orb. Remind me of what that is. Oh, in the at, pit. At the very the at the very center of the crater, there's a a glowing ball of light. Right. It makes me think of that that orb that you encounter in that first heavy metal movie that basically just causes misery and misfortune wherever it goes. Right. Is that what it's going to be? In a way. 
it's gonna be something much worse. It's gonna be something uh wet. Yeah. <laughs> Moist, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, it's gonna encounter the Pacific Rim. Right, okay. Yeah, in fact, that uh that green orb is going to grow until it's a man in a boat. A man? I guess maybe oh. I guess I guess maybe you don't know that particular reference to the clitoris. Oh, the man in the boat. Yes, I've heard of that as a reference to the clitoris. And but that actually works. That's interesting. Yes, it's going to be the the sort of central nexus around which the rest of the wet ass Pacific manifests around. Is somebody somebody's like observing it from afar through binoculars or whatever? It's, it looks like a man in a boat. <laughs> it starts growing, and it actually is just sitting in a rowboat. The, well, the guy that you did is it the guy who was fleeing North Korea or whatever initially? Yeah. He's a man in a boat. <laughs> yes. Yes, for for a brief moment, the guy squints and it looks like the the dude swimming back into North Korea to escape the the wet ass Pacific. (laughs) Yes, Uh, Colombo and Bridges are on their way to go investigate because now there's just like a green light on the horizon. They're driving off. Does the X Files music play at that point? It should, but like badly on a recorder. Of course. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm hearing it in my head. It's awful. I love it. <laughs> it's great. So they're cruising in that direction. They 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 arrive in time for the uh, the changes to begin. It's just an orb for now, but it's it's getting bigger. So it's it's growing, and it's taking up most of the crater now. But it's still just an orb. Yeah, it's just a ball. It it's not yet the complete man in the boat. Is that what we transitioned to? We So we transitioned from them seeing the explosion and driving towards it, and then the next scene is them arriving? I think we should see them arriving through the man's binoculars, since there's a guy with binoculars now. What What is it? What do you see? Well, it looks like a... If you squint, it looks like a man in a boat. Are these... Oh, what's that? <laughs> what's that? And then there's, then there's two guys in a tiny little gnome car that pull up on the... <laughs> The rim of the crater are the people who are because I, I didn't even I wasn't even thinking of who the people with the binoculars were. Are the people with the binoculars the cabbage family? Are they like how are you like they they've been watching for updates on what's going on in the crater? They were the I, first I to am, see it. I imagine they haven't left. It's either the cabbage farmer family or the gnomes that lost their vehicle. The gnomes, the gnomes that lost their vehicle. The gnome police—they're—they're they're like searching for the vehicle. Yeah, with their gnome binoculars, which of course will extend like Looney Tune style, where they they telescope out and then up and then over and then down and then over. Well, but now that doesn't work in the order then, because if they are announcing it looks like a man in a boat, then it has already transitioned from being a ball, though, right? Yeah, but we're if it's transitioned from being a ball, then that's after skull our our investigators arrive. Yeah, and it's still a ball. I know. Just assume that there was just a flicker of what it was going to be. That's why the guy says, "If you squint, it looks like a man in a boat." Okay. There was just there was just like a very brief kind of intangible flicker of of things to come. It's but not yet that... there, but it's starting to happen. Is that a waste of a joke for when it actually turns into a guy that is a man in a boat? 
I think when he squints and says, it, it, if you squint, it looks like a man in a boat. That's the opportunity for the joke to look like a, a Korean guy in a boat. Oh, so that's the only time that it does look like a man in a boat and never actually does look like a man in a boat? Yeah, it just kind of superimposes it right over it. Okay. I don't I don't see any way to make a, a clitoral orb eventually actually look like a guy in a boat. Well, that's some imagination you have there. But I can't imagine it. Yeah, I'm being facetious. Okay, tell me how you imagine it. Well, I would imagine that if anybody called bothered calling it a man in a boat in the first place, then you would have to use some sort of imagination of making it look like a man in a boat. It looks kind of like a man in a sleeping bag. Or a kayak, I guess. Only if you squint. It Maybe maybe it is starting to develop the, the hood. Event, it's very soon it's going to need to be censored instead. Anyhow, I guess we transition literally. There's some sort of transition from the people driving. I guess they show up at the crater. There's a ball. They're going to speak to the cabbage people. Probably notice that there's a couple of gawkers looking at this through binoculars. The gawkers are the people who they already stole the car from? Nah, I think it's better if it's the cabbage farmers. Since they're on the scene, but they're probably not standing right next to the crater and the glowy bit. Well, then forget the binoculars at all. I think there's going to need to be some better way. Maybe they're standing there. Literally, they're not looking at binoculars. They're still standing there, and that's how they occupy their time now. They're standing there looking at it like art. And it's once again, oh, here's the best possible use of the Ethan <laughs> Suppley from <laughs> yeah. Rats thing. Yeah, I was Is just it, about to go If you squint him. at it, it looks like a man in a boat. They're standing there with their heads at an angle, hands it's, on their hips. It's a sailboat. I don't see it. You got to squint your eyes. You got to squint. And then as they squint, it actually does develop the hood. Oh, he says you got to squint. And then Quint from Jaws shows up and says, are you going to need a bigger boat? And they're like, we said squint, clearly. And then he gets eaten by a shark for no reason. (laughs) A portal opens up and a shark grabs him and pulls him into another portal. He's now been ejected from the scene. Perfect. And then I guess we're one we're one development away from the orb needing to be censored. Oh, does does he get eaten by a shark or does he get he gets run over by Columbo and Bridges? Uh, he just gets steamrolled. He disappears under their miniature car. Now, that is kind of funny because it's small enough that it probably just kind of like bumps into them and squeaks like it just bumps into him and and uh, yeah. Like like a clown nose. Does but, it? But if it actually, but if it actually hits him with enough impact that it actually just like <laughs> just like runs over him and leaves nothing but like strawberry jelly behind them. Oh, that's never coming out of the wheel well. I was imagining him just like literally getting sucked under it and disappearing. He got cartoon disappeared. Like a cartoon goose into a jet engine. Yeah. Just feathers come out. Oh, that's funny. Just, just his clothes come out. <laughs> He gets, uh, what's that called? He gets raptured. Yeah, what is what is even up with this car? It's from uh, Toontown. Yeah, must be. Anyhow, so, somehow yeah. we get rid of this character. Yeah, he's gone. Our by investigators time, show up. By the time our buddy cops show up, the the man in the boat is actually, you don't have to squint anymore to see it. It's there. Okay. Yeah, it's like that, which means that they're going to take one look at it and go, ugh, and then it's going to be censored, and they'll be like, okay, that's better. And what's so the line of questioning? How long has this been like this? What the hell happened here? 
does wow. what does this have anything to do with that explosion what happened and then the cabbage farmers start explaining the proud history of cabbage farming <laughs> indignantly and proudly yeah because so far this guy's only been able to tell this story to his son so he's like oh thank god somebody else to heap this on to and colombo was like uh, excuse me if i could uh one less thing yeah one <laughs> one less thing not this can we can we move it along i didn't ask for your life story because if if they uh, if we actually let them do the one hour later bit, the the wet ass Pacific is going to be really close to being ready to hatch. Yeah, we need to wrap this up. Yeah, because uh, basically uh, it's going to breach reality as the cliffhanger. So they uh, are they able they, to they, identify what were you saying? Once it once it forms enough, Columbo sure identifies it. Oh, oh, does he have a I know what this is? Oh, he knew what it—he knew what it was, or at least what it was a part of. As soon as he took a look at it, went ugh. So is he staring at it, doing like silent Gandalf calculations in his head while Columbo is interviewing the other two, or the family, or whatever? I think I think uh, Columbo censored it for Bridges. Maybe that's how that should go. Bridges takes one look at what is very obviously becoming a clitoris, and he just goes ugh, whoa. And so, so does then Columbo interrupt as the as the 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 lettuce farmers are talking about the proud cabbage. history of cabbages? Yeah, cabbages, cabbage farmers. He interrupts them to say, "Listen, we need this. This is extremely serious. All I need to know was was there nuclear activity here or something yeah. like that?" Yes, this is very interesting. But can we please move this along? What happened here? Was that mushroom cloud? What I think it was. Was that an ex- was that a nuclear explosion? And did this did did, did did this start immediately after? Bridges is like, do you have a point? The outside will defend itself. It kind of has a, a mind of its own. Oh, I'm trying to think of. Oh, this is an expanse reference again. Lay it on me. Well, they they developed this proto molecule thing, which is a scouting organism from another dimension or whatever that's been sent to figure out if it can dominate our galaxy uh and there's a certain point where it's sort of it has this sort of uh you social hive mind ability to communicate with all other molecules that are of the same (laughs) proto molecule or whatever and they determine that like ballistic attacks against it make it more prone to try to strike out against whatever life forms are striking out at it sort of thing. And so the outside knows that it has been aggressed. And so now it is forming is, is this is part of its def- defense mechanism. Yeah. It's uh, it's basically taken the energy that's been used to attack it and is now making use of it. It's an equal and opposite response. They've decided that the fabric of the outside has absorbed all that, that explosion all that kinetic force, all that nuclear shit. And now it's going to create a monster and immediately send it back. And now we have a reason for it to be Godzilla powered with atomic breath. Yeah, that's interesting. It is it is now literally the product of nuclear fire. So as yes, while they're questioning the cabbage farmers, this thing is finishing its creation like it's the entire thing is now manifesting. It's the orb is floated up into the sky and then the rest of the 
WAP is just like appearing around it. Yeah, I was, I was kind of trying to imagine how that would play. Like, I think Columbo was given the exposition that you just gave. What's happening? It's 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 absorbing the nuclear energy and gestating this uh, hell, protective hell beast thing. And as he's finishing that little monologue, it starts making like creaking iceberg sounds. And that's when it morphs into its final form. And then it does the, the a weird version of the Godzilla roar. A very gurgly version of the Godzilla. Yes, War. and and sort of feminine in a terrifying way. <laughs> because let's never forget who this belongs to. Oh, Cardi so it's B. a bit. It, it's gurgly. Oh, is it? Is it? Oh, wait a second. Then so is it doing one of her like ad lib noises that she makes, or is it doing like a ecstatic moan along with the gurgling? That's the the Godzilla. Oh, I think I think one of the ad lib notes would be good. <laughs> I think that's the sound it should make when it shoots its laser beams. <laughs> that's the new I'm firing my laser. What was the noise that that thing made? It went shoop de whoop. It was shoop de whoop. Yeah, the new shoop de whoop is the new. That's not as good as this. <laughs> It goes. <laughs> it, it, it makes the noise and then the the orb itself glows and then it fires a laser directly from it. But like a water laser or is it a full on laser? I think it's a full on laser that just like leaves a, a film on everything else around it. Okay. Probably it probably vaporizes what it hits and then everything else around gets splashed. Yeah, it's like a, a, a mist and a steam. Left yeah. Behind. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody winds up getting slimered. So it's just mayhem. Oh, so one of the one of the 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 farmers then gets slimered. And it, and then the other one that's left over is just mortified. The, the senior farmer is like, get a load of that cunt. <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't take too kindly to that shit. <laughs> he gets blasted. My He's relatives. Like, <laughs> my my only surviving father. He's like, oh, what an ugly cunt, which is a, a Kathy Griffin joke. What an ugly cunt. And then it goes and then <laughs> lasers him directly and everybody else gets just like splashed with a, a gush of this hot slime. Oh, and is this oh, is it it kind of turns into is this a uh, a Cloverfield cliffhanger where it goes one final time and it destroys the camera that's watching the scene and it goes it goes it zaps and goes to static? Yes, but right before that happens, after Jeff Bridges gets splashed, I think he needs to take off his glasses, his sunglasses, so he's got like an outline of unsplashed face. <laughs> and then he just kind of like shakes the stuff off his sunglasses. Oh, and does he wryly every... remark now? That's a wet ass Pacific. <laughs> maybe, maybe he manages to go. That's a wet ass puh. And then there's another, and then that's when the <laughs> that's... that's when a laser directly hits the the audience perspective, and there then it goes static and then black. And then it cuts to the the bikini bottom, like the SpongeBob final credits music over our final credits. Yeah. If if there's a post credit scene, it's going to be the the younger farmer now saying that his new destiny is farming mushrooms. 
Or that that was like he's in some sort of facility or whatever, and that was his like villain origin story. Oh, we just create village and villains left and right just accidentally. Yeah. Well, his whole family got destroyed by a bizarre water blasty laser creature. Well, he only had the one family. Oh, yeah, that's true. Just yeah, yeah. His entire family has now been destroyed by the outside and outside related activities. Poor guy. But now we we have birthed the WAP. The WAP. It exists. It lives. And in a way that's congruent with the story. Yeah, because we were kind of twisting ourselves, bending ourselves over backwards, trying to figure out why it existed in the first place, how it got summoned. And trying to deal with the fact that nobody, pretty much nobody had anything to say during the whole thing. Now that we have, now that we have some buddy cops, they can talk. Yeah, that's true. The solution, I think, is still going to be a a giant bucket and a mop for it. Yeah, of course. But now it's going to be Bridges that's flying the helicopter while Columbo's got the bucket and the mop. That's awesome. He's going to jump out and dive right in, same as before. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm recalling some of that now going back. I think Stan or somebody was mad about everybody's drowning in pussy except me. (laughs) That is a Stan problem. He thinks Craig fucks, especially now that Craig's got a woman living with him. Yeah. I keep remembering that Craig had a visual update, and I want to actually do that. Maybe that's what I'll do tonight while this is uh, editing. I'll do Craig's new body. I don't know why. Just to have it. I'm going to find some visual references for what I think of his uh, lower section of body. I was going to be going mainly off of Wally. What on earth is that? That's from a game called Jet Force Gemini. That's Lupus. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, that's the upgraded form. The the regular form, he's just like a kind of robo dog with jet feet. Yeah. And then when you upgrade him, he's a fucking tank dog. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, he's got a gun on his back. <laughs> and then you upgrade him and he's an actual tank with he still has jets on him, but the the other two characters they just get like more armored looking a better space suit and then he turns into a full on tank with treads he's like i have evolved beyond legs i kind of like that idea i i like the idea of craig being starting off as the treads and then maybe in the future then he can upgrade to jetpacks he misses flying oh well yeah we can just like install some jet engines in his little undercarriage yeah I think that's how it works. You just caught like a series of jets in that little middle section between the treads and it just makes them lift off the dumbest thing. Oh, I watched the Minions movie the other day and I love the Minions. Did you watch the movie, the Minions movie? I've seen every movie that has the Minions in it. That rocket woman, which is like basically they were like, I love watching films and imagining the the writer's room and imagining the processes of coming up with characters and such. I feel like. (laughs) That woman is, I mean, I guess that's what we're literally doing. But um, that rocket woman is basically Iron Man on crack or whatever the way that you would phrase that. Yes. Just Iron Man to the nth degree. Yes, she is. So that's what I imagine when you said a rocket in the undercarriage. I also thought of my dog, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that lady. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine the whap on her. <laughs> oh, I feel bad saying that. Yeah, yuck. Yeah, yuck indeed. It feels gross. But also, imagine that discharge. Yeah, just, <laughs> whatever it is, it's flammable. <laughs> mm, I Rocket love the smell fuel. Of napalm in the morning. Just gelled fuel everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Do we have okay. anything else to add to this episode? <laughs> Maybe during the end credits, uh, the the music has to pause for another. <laughs> Uh, the the end credits is all just like it's a it's a Cardi B remix of the Tucker and Todd song. Oh yeah, I'm into that. I also have a plan for how it's going to breach into our world. Which what is going to breach into our world? The wet ass Pacific needs to breach oh, okay. into our world. Yeah, to make the Pacific a whole lot wetter. It wants an aquatic environment, and there just isn't one where it is. But I've got I'm a plan just- for how it gets there. I'm just, I'm just trying to do a, a little bit of, I guess, like pre-planning and housekeeping because this is episode 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So we would have four left. Is there going to be a bigger, badder monster that results from this thing? Or is this thing going to persist for a couple episodes and getting rid of it is like the last move? Oh, I How- don't know. It's going to be able to persist for multiple episodes. It's so destructive that if it's allowed to actually run rampant for that long, it's going to be worse than the apocalypse that's currently happening. Yeah, I agree. I think the alphabetical order are the actual final boss. Okay. Which means technically Tucker and Todd might be. Oh, yeah. Which makes them a very simple... Oh, because I remember... Yeah, never mind. I know how it's ending. We're ending with the factor or the uh, restore point. Yeah. So it kind of doesn't even matter what the big bad... Oh, Tucker and Todd can be the can be the final boss and they can win. And then there can be a restore point. It doesn't even matter what we do. We can do the craziest shit. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, send a gargantuan animated vagina to attack the Pacific Ocean <laughs> and all the cities nearby to it. Yeah. Hard to think of anything crazier than a, a gargantuan <laughs> monster vagina with a laser yeah, beam for like, a clip. Hey, this gives us license to really go off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> we've taken one look at the rails and sneered at them. <laughs> that rails where we're going, we don't need rails. <laughs> no, because we've got a vaginal rail gun. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, that noise that you just made, that's how the episode ends. Yeah, and I know how the next one begins. Fantastic. We'll have to catch up with the crew. Oh, yeah, immediately on the other side of their zap yes. plot point. Yes, I think that's the perfect place to pick it up next week. God damn it, we were feet away from them. No kidding, those poor bastards. They've 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 gone through, you know, they moved heaven and earth and gone through hell to get there. Yeah. And within like five minutes of being with their friends again, out. They were sucked in on a whim and then they were cast back out on a whim. Oh, does that mean we bring the, the joke the jo- <laughs> from the dead joke pile? A wheezing bell goes ding on the other side of the next episode because they're disappointed. Oh, I think that's good. Yeah. It, no, actually, you just go to the dead joke bin, and from inside of it, you can hear somebody hitting the, the bell. Oh, yeah, the distant echo? Yeah, it's just kind of muffled inside of the box. Yeah. The dead joke box. In there, somebody hits the bell. That works good. Anyway, I think that's been a cast. This was a podcast. Uh, we were Tucker and Todd. You, you were, were an audience. 
Yeah. And you, and you were Craig and Gigi. And thank you all for coming. Thanks. Bye. Bye.